Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Wrestling While Black. Guys, we've been away for quite some time um, to recuperate with all the COVID-19, Trump drama, all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. So please forgive us for our long hiatus. Um, We've been just trying to recalibrate and find new and creative ways to to approach this um, podcast. And I'm so happy to have um, in our new inaugural 2021 episode, a man that's putting together a wonderful group on Clubhouse, but also just building beautiful content, a man of high character uh, over my short time of just talking to him. So Everybody, welcome in Justin Manning. What's up, bro? Hey, brother. So good to be on this legendary podcast. Thank you so much for the formal intro. Love it. Yeah, bro. Um, Just to start things off... I was going through a tough time with, you know, just dealing, you know, getting on Clubhouse and trying to find wrestling fans and or just in general, especially as a black man, you know, um, just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s, you're in your 30s and trying to find people who really appreciate this beautiful um, sport, this beautiful industry that we love. Um I'm called wrestling. It can be right. difficult um, sometimes when you're really trying to connect with people, when you really find people who genuinely love the product and understand and, and have a, a relative knowledge of the product. It's like almost like um, like a long lost friend. So I feel like that's that's what it was like. It was an oasis in the desert of uh, non-wrestling fans. And I'm appreciative of your group called Pro Wrestling Anonymous. So um, for my audience who, um, you know, welcome back, guys, first. Who um, is Justin Mann? And kind of give us a little background about you and your wrestling story, how you got into wrestling, why you love wrestling so much. Um, I'm just so curious. Absolutely. Name the last time that you saw a black ring announcer inside one of the largest ring arenas in the world. I'll give you two seconds. Boop. Don't, the only don't, one you can think of. Don't know. <laughs> it's Larry Legend. Mm-hmm. Larry Legend is a good mentor of mine, and when I saw him rock the mic at my second New York Wrestling Connection show out of Long Island, New York, I knew this is something that I wanted to do. But it didn't just fall into my lap. Justin Manning, at that point of time, in about 2015, was a student affairs professional who absolutely loved to instruct, teach, and inspire the next generation at his campus where he used to work at. And by doing so many orientations and open houses with all these students, a lot of the feedback was very consistent. That was clear, concise, correct, but also charismatic. The issue was Justin Man didn't know who he was or none of that. So he didn't invest into himself until he actually had the gall to be a professional wrestler. So he actually trained in New York Wrestling Connection. Uh, and some of the alumni from this legendary wrestling school include Mike Wickrap, uh, Tony Neese, you've seen on 205 Live. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen Curtis. Um, the facts of life. Uh, Alex Silver, MJF. So Ooh. many wrestling personalities that I've had the opportunity of seeing uh, while while training at New York Wrestling Connection. Um, and they figured that it would be best for me to work the mic. So while I'm being hit tossed by my head trainer at the time, Bull James, formerly known as uh, Bull Dempsey, he was saying, you know what? You ever thought about working this? And I was like, were well, you trying to say I suck? <laughs> <laughs> Like, are you saying that I can't do the exercises? And I was very athletic. But Justin Manning slowly evolved into uh, an athletic guy who was doing Spartan races, endurance sports, 
to the announcer, ring announcer, MC, to not just get the crowd hyped, but someone who enjoys putting over the product, putting over people, and most importantly, supporting podcasts like yours. And that's what Justin Manning is today. So I saw a void within Clubhouse, and I didn't know exactly how to fill this void. So that way, our folks, or like-minded folks, could have a shared space with a shared interest, but it felt safe. And if they have the opportunity to see how I moderate a room or what a ring announcer is, it will attract like-minded individuals. Uh, the clubhouse currently has 250 members as of today. And as of today, it's probably been about a week since we were approved. And it's already greened um, DJs from around the world, about five different countries, Emmy Award-winning, Grammy Award-winning artists, as well as an award-winning black commentator out of Southern Honor Wrestling. So because of R3, because of uh, Wrestling While Black podcast, I've been able to find this community and even be uh, accepted within this community that I helped to find. So this wouldn't be anything without you all. So Justin Manning right now is grateful. Wow, I love that, bro. Um, Thanks, brother. The first thing is, so, so tell us how you got into wrestling, because I'm, you know, I'm 30, 33. Tell me about your first earliest wrestling story. Give us your origin story of how yeah. you got into wrestling, how you first touched this wonderful sport that we all love. Absolutely. Um, so I was sitting in front of my TV working uh, Channel 5. I was about three or four years old. And I, my earliest memory is watching Lex Luger, the narcissist character. And if you remember Lex Luger, the narcissist, he had all silver trunks and like silver armbands to make his muscles really huge, right? He takes the mirror that he's looking at and smashes it over Bret Hart's face. And I remember going to my mom and saying, Mom, Lex Luger, whoever it was. I don't even think I remembered his name, but it was Lex Luger. This guy smashed the mirror to my face. We got to call the cops. And my mother was like, you need to sit yourself back down. You know what? No more wrestling for you at all. So there was a good couple of years where I was not watching professional wrestling on Saturdays. But because my father was pretty cool, I was watching Raw and WCW on Mondays. My mother wasn't looking. Ooh, the Monday Night Wars. Okay. So you're a child of the Monday, Monday Night, Night Wars. Wars. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it started with Saturday night, uh, Saturday morning, uh, Channel 5, Fox. Worked his way to cable throughout the 90s. And um, I really fell in love with it while watching The Rock on a UPN station for SmackDown. UPN, bro. What a classic. Oh, yeah. What a classic. Black I remember Channel, it was uh, 1999 was the year. Um, yep. Remember that commercial? They were like, why can't we be friends? Why can't they be yeah. the hell out of each other? <laughs> <laughs> bro, there was such a good time just to watch it as a fan because I've never had such easy access to professional wrestling. Like, everybody was talking about professional wrestling at that time because it was on a network channel. Yes, and I didn't have cable time. myself. There you go. And it, 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 you can almost call me a late bloomer because of the whole three, four years old, you know, Lex Luger ruined it for me. But at the same time, he was just doing his job. But watching it on a network television, uh, television station really opened the doors to what I could be. So I always identified with The Rock. Um, I love watching The Rock beat up Triple H and D-Generation X. I love watching APA, Ron Simmons, and uh, John Bradshaw, Layfield. Hell yeah. And then watching those stories transpire where JBL was, oh, I want to punch him in the face because he was such a convincing heel. Yeah. Um, and from there, I watched John Cena's ruthless aggression era, fell in love with Kurt Angle, and I've continued to watch wrestling to this day. Man, Kurt Angle had a run for about those two or three years where he was a wrestling machine. He Man, about five years he was in that industry, <sighs> and he was so smooth. Oh. Just intense. Jess, he went from being that annoying, 
self-entitled asshole to being um, a person that you root for. That's, and, and to make that transition um, was difficult. And you got to think what Kurt Angle was going through at the time. You had Triple H, The Rock, Stone Cold. You had... Um, you had all these guys at the top, Undertaker. You had, I mean, you had all these top guys, and Kurt Angle was able to carve out. It was. Would you say the Attitude Era, in terms of top guys, was the one of the most competitive times to be a top guy in the WWE? I would say you're. I would say that's debatable, um, only because the new generation meant that you're moving past Hulk Hogan, so everybody wanted that number one spot, even in the early nineties, especially when Hogan went to WCW. Um, and in that new generation, we're talking about audio quality is a little bit better. I'm a mic man. And that new generation, we're talking about Bret Hart, Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Uh, in the early 90s, we're talking about Ahmed Johnson. We were all rooting for Ahmed Johnson on the low, but we knew what time it was. Everybody wanted to be number one, not the Intercontinental Champion. You even watched The Rock and Triple H come in. But we just didn't know who they were because we were so young. Now, when we're talking about this generation, uh, um, ruthless aggression, you had the Kurtz, you had the Triple H, you had Rikishi, Undertaker, Rock, Stone Cold. These were the guys that main invented uh, uh, Hell in a Cell. And the entire time, Kurt Angle was accomplishing every title within five years. I've never seen something like that where someone can win the Olympics with a broken freaking neck yes. while maintaining intensity, integrity. And what's that last one? That's that last one. I'm doing a promo here. Mm. Intelligent. Judy had with Big Show, by the way. Oof. Yeah, just yeah. When he would take those 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 arm stripes down, and he would stomp on in the ring, I'd be like, "Ooh, it's gonna be some problems." He's gonna be moving yes, some furniture. Sir. Yeah, Very man. Dumb. So, so you, so yeah. growing up in the Attitude Era, and 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 like I said, being Lex Luger. So for me, I, the funny thing is, being from Maryland area where I'm from, I started off as like okay. a WCW guy. Uh, so I go as far back nice. as like 19, probably 1994, my memory, I think, maybe 1994, 1995, WCW. Um, but then, uh, you know, I gradually got into, to, you know, doing the Attitude Era when SmackDown because I didn't have, you know, cable. Mm-hmm. So Raw was Raw was on, I think it was the USA Network at first. USA Network, yeah. Yeah, so that was Raw time. So I was, you know, SmackDown, every SmackDown. So at the at the bus stop, we would always go and talk about Raw because the kids that had the cable would always talk about Raw. And then, you know, we would just talk about SmackDown and then they would fill us in. So what was right, that like growing right, up right. In, in New as a New Yorker, um, almost like the, the place that where, you know, the host, the house that Vince McMahon built, Madison Square Garden, did, <laughs> did you have a chance um, in, your, in your 30 plus years of life? What live events have you had an opportunity to go to? Excellent question. I love the way that you frame that. Um, so the house that Vincent Man built was not the first place that I went to. My first live wrestling event, believe it or not, was not until after I graduated college. Oh, wow. I had a younger brother. Yeah. So because my mom was an educator and because she was always surrounded by SmackDown talk, she was trying to shield my brother and I from professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. She just didn't know that we were sneaking to watch snippets <laughs> with my father downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually on WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So my very first live event after college, um, I would say the Barclays Center. Maybe a few years after the Barclays Center was built, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan were wrestling. And I remember CM Punk went over and there was something eerie when he said the following words. CM Punk finished his match. He went over, grabbed the mic and said, thank you so much, Brooklyn. We hope to return here again soon. And that was the last time CM Punk would ever be in Brooklyn. Um, oh, wow. Of course, he would go to WrestleMania that year against Undertaker. 
But that was, of course, at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Never saw him again at Barclays. He would not be 10 minutes away from where I lived. And he was one of the brightest stars for the early 2010s. So that one hurt. Uh, and because he was such a good promo, and I aspired to always work on my mic skills, I always looked at to him, Paul Heyman, The Rock, etc. Wow. So you saw, so you had to see CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Did they tear the house down? They tore it down. Uh, this was a time when we're talking about Damian Sandow being the stunt double. Shout out to him. Uh, this was a time when Daniel Bryan was at the pinnacle of the yes, of the yes movement. And wow. also a time when CM Punk was just getting over with his Undertaker stuff, you know, just beginning that rather. So that was my first time. And I went by myself. The way that you open this show is a testament to a lot of us out here who don't exactly have folks who understand professional wrestling mm -hmm. from the in industry standpoint and as a sport. Mm -hmm. Because even if you're not a fan of professional wrestling, there's still an industry here for you. Yeah. As a sport, I've experienced that firsthand. So I can tell you, you got to respect the ring, you got to respect your opponent, and you got to respect yourself, uh, keep yourself safe. Wow, so 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 I'm just curious. I want to walk. We're walking our, our our audience through the experience, right? Because for me personally, I've I've paid I've paid for paid per views. I've watched a lot of shows, but I've okay. actually never had opportunity to go to a live show. And, and when I've tried to work my work schedule around it, or try to do stuff like going to SmackDown or whatever the case may be, it's always something coming up. I was I was I literally moved right when AEW had their DC show. I literally moved down south. Oh wow! It's, yeah, the, show. Yeah, I know, bro. I, I was like, why did yeah. I why did I move this day? You know, but. <laughs> but, 25 bucks, I think. <laughs> uh, no, well, yeah, uh, uh, well, they sold out, bro. The tickets got kind of pretty crazy, bro, with the um, yeah, and then also when I came down here, AW did uh, State Farm Arena, but I had I just had started a new gig, I literally just started a new gig, so I couldn't do anything. So, uh, hopefully, when COVID is all the way done, so so getting back to what your experience, walk us through the yes. smell, the feeling to be in a building with upwards of 10,000, five to 10,000 fans. What did it feel like? The smells, the sound, the different people. People, what did you feel in you when you were around so many different wrestling fans, which were rarely around on a consistent basis? So as a fan, it's completely different uh, than being uh, in a stadium, right? Because there's two different aspects of it. One of the first times when I had a live event was actually an ROH New Japan event in Coney Island. And even then, for that show was Leo Rush, The Bucks, Adam Cole, the entire Bullet Club were there with, uh, without Kenny Omega. And I remember speaking to Adam Page on the side, and I asked Adam Page, I said, bro, I put my phone down in front of him on the table and said, yo, I'm not recording you. I got to ask you, what is it like being a professional wrestler? And he gave me an answer, let me know that he trained at ROH Dojo, and you got to stick it out. He's a history teacher like myself. Oh, I wow. Said, I didn't know that. something really dope. Yeah. Um, that's something I do um, in my first class actually begins next week. I'm teaching intro to history at uh, the college that I currently work at. Hold up, hold up. I'm giving you claps. Hold up, hold up. Here you go. There we go. Wrong button. Right. Teachers. Oh, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Trying to educate the masses with history, bro. You can't change it. Hell yeah. So, being on the crowd side, watching Tanahashi, Okada, the beginning of evil is like, wow, this is in a stadium as well. This is kind of lit. I really love the energy that they have. And wrestling fans are different depending where you go. So, mm -hmm. that's the ROH New Japan side. On the indie side, shout out to HOG, shout out to uh, BCW, and shout out to NYWC. Um, those wrestling fans are extremely passionate. We're mostly at Elk Lodge, leg the legendary Elk Lodge is in Queens, and uh, you get to watch some upcoming talent. One of the talent that I saw, one of the first matches I saw was Brian Cage versus EC3. Oh my at that God. Time, 
Man, at that time, EC3 was in Impact Wrestling, and Brian Cage was at Lucha Underground. And Tony Nese was on the bill as well. Oh, so wow. after I met with Tony Nese, I said, where did you train? He said, NYWC. I said, yeah, I keep hearing about this place. That's on the indie side. Moving down, by the time that I got to NYWC, when you're a student on the back end, you know, you really just got to keep your head down and just do the work, man. Stay humble. It didn't matter how dope you were on the mic. It didn't matter how athletic you were. You're going to do these drills. You're going to respect the business. And most importantly, you're going to learn how a to put a ring together and tear down the ring. And it helped me to respect some of the rituals that they have that you will never see on a televised match. Now, wow. when it happens, from a wrestling point of view, uh, unfortunately, I have not been in uh, stadiums or stages as a wrestler <laughs> with 8,000 people. But as an MC and a ring announcer, announcing at City Field, announcing at Fenway Park, man, it's the greatest feeling in the world especially when you it comes so naturally mm-hmm. when you speak people are always listening to you at least one person um your sponsors your fans and most importantly those that look up to you i remember uh and i remember being at home plate at state field and someone who looks just like you and i and i'm going to say this because one of the wrestling while black podcast a black father came to me and said brother took two steps towards me and said how did you get this job and it wasn't from a place of malice because his young son came right behind him and his son said, I heard you all the way out of the parking lot. And I, <laughs> I had to hold my tears back because I had realized that somebody was applauding and genuinely asking how to do what it is that I do. So as a ring announcer, it's always a job that people always look over or don't even notice that it's happening because we do such a great job enhancing the experiences of audiences. Wow. Justin Roberts does a great job de- detailing that in his book. Uh, Jim Ross does a great job of sharing his experience on the road way before WWF, way before UFW. You know, you can read these ring announcers and they basically have almost the same story and with similar experiences. Mine just happens to be a little bit different because there has been no one like me. And hopefully in the future, I'll be able to help change that or pioneer it. Wow. So you've definitely you to be a ring announcer and like I said to be and to represent and to have that and carry that mantle and to bring diversity to that position. Like I said, in, in the professional wrestling industry, we haven't seen a lot of any um at all. Um Larry Legend. Yes, Larry Legend definitely shout out to him and, and that's that means a lot. That wrestling, you know, has been in America for over a hundred years. Um and right. so to see, you know, where you are and you appreciating the history and the story and, and, and also your attention to detail, just talking to you, I can tell this is going to be a career choice for you. I can see you being in any of the major organizations Thank that are wrestling brother. today. Um, and you, Oh, hell yeah, bro. And, and it's just, it's like, it feels, I, I literally get still butterflies in my stomach when I, when I was, when I joined your group on pro, pro wrestling anonymous on clubhouse, I yeah, literally, the, Oh my God, dude, I got butterflies in my stomach just to hear people passionately break down storylines and current events that's going on wrestling. Yeah. R3, I felt the same way when I first saw the clubhouse event. Because to get the clubhouse, you have to have an event, y'all. Like, people have to host rooms. And when I went to the room, I was worried about what I would see and what I would hear. I came in there with the impression of Facebook and other social media platforms that have nothing or even close to the safety and discussion we're having on clubhouse. Because other social media networks do not allow you to respond accordingly or as quickly as this one. You know, you do Instagram and this IGTV, so you get the comments. Same thing with Facebook. But Clubhouse, you say something, your customers or anyone else is going to respond with a quickness 
to react to what you just said. So words will always matter. So when I open it up, um, even from my side, looking at the event, I said, oh, oh, not only are there brothers on this platform, but they're giving not just value, but good benefit and fellowship. This is, this is huge. This has never been done before. Oh, yeah. So now to get that event, you have to go and get the clubhouse. So I just kept moderating different rooms and adding discussion, met you or three, I think in our first room as it was. And I realized we had something so special. I had to put in the application. So oh, I yeah. the application last Wednesday. So now I have two clubhouses. I have the metal club, which is for uh, athletes aspiring for their medals all around the world. So they can do their fitness check-in. And then now I have pro wrestling anonymous. That's the name of the clubhouse pro wrestling anonymous. And when I started inviting folks to the room, I saw there were a few other wrestling clubhouses as well. So it looked like everybody's clubhouse application got approved at the same time. The oh. goal of Pro Wrestling Anonymous is to continue that fellowship that we have. It's not so much about the dialogue. It's not. You know, I wouldn't be on this podcast unless I was like, yo, I really feel a connection with R3. I really feel a connection with wrestling. I really feel a connection with WrestleManiac UK. It's from a genuine place. And at the end of the day, unpopular opinions are welcome, but they're so respectful. And if I can use my skills to guide the, the moderation of the room, I will do so. And so you do a masterful job. Um, the, the, the world wrestling community is huge. When you look at as an example, for people to be like, oh, wrestling is for nerds or whatever. I'm going to give you an example. Just some quick figures really quickly. Uh, we're going to go ahead. to WWE's just Instagram. We're not talking about um, a whole bunch of other stuff. The amount of people that follow WWE is 23 million people. So we know there's way mm -hmm. more than that. But let's just use that as a mm -hmm. general example. There's over 23 million wrestling fans across the world. World. It is a huge industry. When we go to, let's just use uh, something else as an example. We're going to use the NFL uh, amount of followers they have on Instagram. They have 19.6. So literally, wrestling wow. has more fans than professional football, one of the most popular sports in the United States of America. So, uh, and globally as well, football is very popular. So huge amount of sports, um, fan, a huge amount of people that love wrestling, and, and you're adding a great service, and you're, you are a great service to, this, this, to this, uh, this brotherhood and sisterhood that we have. And I love the fact that Thank you try you. to highlight women and give them a, um, a voice as well and diversity yeah. of thought. Um, yeah. so I'd like to add to that. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely want to point out and shout out all the queens in the building. Um, whenever I mention professional wrestling to a group of women within Clubhouse, I then have to let them know that it's a very safe space for them. Um, and for any woman that checks into Clubhouse, I always bump them up along the line if they have something to say. And shout out to the Queen, shout out to Kimberly, shout out to uh, Brittany, I believe, from Maryland, because they always have a great opinion, but they always have a perception that breaks the masculinity within the room. And they look like us, so we got to protect them. Um, and that's, that's something I want to encourage. Eventually, PWA, Pro Wrestling Anonymous, We'll have all women moderators discussing whatever they want. And that's not to say, you know, you should do this. No, this is something that I really, really want to see because it's never been done before. Not just on Clubhouse, not just on any other social media platform, but we have a chance to really do that. And it doesn't have to be with some corny theme like the Women's Revolution pay-per-view. No, they need to have their own thing. And um, if, if there's a moderator that's, uh, that's a woman out there, yo, get it started. Let's go. Hell yeah, man. That's 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 the thing, bro. Um, and it's so important that we do that. We give people voices and places. Um, but so as we yep. as we finish up this episode, where can people find you? 
on social media. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. If you want to touch a professionalism and the whole ring announcer, MC, and master moderator, please be sure to follow me on Instagram at JTM Talk. JTM, this is an exclusive. It's my acronym for my full name, Justin Timothy Manning, JTM Talks. You can also find me on Facebook at Justin T. Manning dash announcer, comma, MC. Um, you can also find me online on TikTok. That's not doing so well because I'm trying to figure that out with my clubhouse time. JTM Talk. Of course, if you have any uh, requests that you want to send, I am on LinkedIn as well. You can also email me at JustinTennesseeManning at gmail.com. I love it. And we'll put that in the description so people can easily click and go and be able to have access to what you're talking about. So, yeah, guys, this is a this is a new episode in 2021. We look forward to having many more interesting, unique conversations with people. We're going to turn up the notch. It's going to be the uh, podcasting wars here. We're just trying to get this podcast um, fired up and ready to go for 2021 and uh, recalibrate ourselves. So thank you so much, Justin, for coming on. We appreciate you on Wrestling Wild Black and um Peace. Peace.